Matthew chapter 2. Some familiar verses probably for most of us. But during this time of year that we set aside to, to, to remember the birth of Christ, I think it's important for us to go back and just refresh ourselves with these texts. Uh, and that's what we're going to do this morning and, and then again tonight. But this morning we're going to be talking about uh, what we call the wise men, or some of your translations may refer to it as the magi. Those are good, good terms to describe them. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But uh, the title of today's sermon is Wise Men Seek the King. We're going to read Matthew chapter 2. We'll read verses 1 through 12, and then we'll pray, and then we'll jump into God's Word. <laughs> Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and had come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Let's pray. God, I come to you this morning, I thank you for these words, and I pray, God, that you just would... Hide me behind the cross this morning as I, as I preach and teach these words, God. I pray that you would help us to get something from them, God. I pray that you would just humble my pride this morning, God, that you would be the one doing the speaking, that you just would uh, just take control of, the, of my lips this morning. Let the right words come out. Help us to have an understanding of these words, and God, help us to grow closer to you in these words today. Help us to seek Jesus Christ in these words today. And God, if there's one in this place that does not know Jesus Christ, that maybe these words today, maybe something in your word will touch their heart, God. Let the Holy Spirit open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, God, so that we would have wisdom to see Jesus Christ and the birth of the Messiah. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. When we talk about the wise men, there is... There is not a whole lot that we know about them. As I mentioned, some of your translations may refer to them as wise men. Some refer to them uh, as magi. And both of those terms are good terms to describe. Some would say uh, that these men were kings. And, and they may or may not have been. It's hard for us to know because the Bible just really uh, doesn't tell us. We also don't know how many uh, wise men there were. Typically, uh, we, we kind of think three. We see that in a lot of our little Christmas programs. And it may have been three. But we just really don't know how many 
wise men there were, but there's no question that these men were definitely wise. Now, uh, several times in Scripture when we see a reference to wise men, uh, usually it's people that uh, the kings would have called on. We see that some in the Old Testament. They would have been the ones who were capable of interpreting dreams. Perhaps they would have been those who looked at and studied uh, the stars. And we see a couple of references to these magi, which is where our word magician comes from, are these wise men in the Old Testament. We've been studying through uh, the book of Exodus, and we talked about how Joseph ended up in uh, Egypt, and it was because Joseph was in Egypt that he was able to take care of his family when the famine came and all the Israelites came to Egypt. The reason why Joseph was able to do that is because he was able to interpret the dream of the king or the pharaoh of Egypt at the time. None of the pharaoh's wise men could interpret the dream, but Joseph, being a man of God, was able to interpret Pharaoh's dream, and Pharaoh put him as second in command. So that's one uh, uh, illustration that we see in the Old Testament of these wise men mentioned. In that case, the wise men of the land weren't able to uh, discern the dream, but God's man was. And then we see it again in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel uh, and, and the rest of the Israelites had been taken captive by the Babylonians, and a similar situation occurred. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and none of the wise men of Daniel's day, none of the magi of that time, were able to understand the dream. Lo and behold, the man of God, Daniel, was able to understand the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And we see those couple of instances in the Old Testament where these wise men are mentioned. And I believe that these wise men that are being talked about here in these verses are probably similar to the same type of wise men that we see mentioned in those same stories in the Old Testament. It is possible that perhaps these wise men that were uh, uh, around David at the time, uh, or excuse me, Daniel at the time, because Daniel was kind of put in charge of all of them after he was able to discern the dream, perhaps it was Daniel who opened their eyes and shared with them some of the prophecy, and they saw that Daniel was a man of God, and they learned from and watched who Daniel worshipped, and that is the Lord. Perhaps that is how they got this knowledge that the Messiah was going to be born. I don't know how these wise men came about this knowledge, but they saw a star and they said, that is the Messiah. That is the Messiah. So obviously they were expecting a Messiah to come. These men were wise, not just maybe because uh, they were able to discern some dreams or able to, 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 to look at the stars and figure things out. Sure, maybe there's some wisdom there, but I believe that the real reason these men are called wise men is because they recognized Jesus as the Messiah. Now, that is true wisdom. We know that from 1 Corinthians, that Jesus Christ is true wisdom. And here are these men that are referred to as wise men, and they are coming to seek the Messiah. They are coming to seek Jesus Christ. Now, that is much wisdom that they were expecting and anticipating the Messiah to come. It says in verse 1, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east to ride arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem. No one was expecting them to come, and all of a the sudden these men just show up. Ever how many of them? We don't know. It could have been three, could have been a hundred. I don't know. But this group of wise men, ever how many it was, showed up in uh, Jerusalem unexpectedly. Verse 2, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, what we see here with the wise men is that they were looking for and they were seeking 
the Messiah. And that's something that we need to stop and think about for a second. As we, as we see uh, here, they recognized him as the king. If these men were indeed king, that, that, that shows even more so how much that they looked forward to the Messiah because here they were referring to Jesus Christ who was just born as the king. Now this posed some problems as we're about to see for King Herod. Let's read on a little further. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that for, for hundreds of years, if we look back in the Old Testament in Isaiah, uh, for instance, there are a lot of scriptures that are pointing us toward this coming Messiah. There are details that, that describe uh, everything that was going to take place when the Messiah came, and lo and behold, all those details, all those prophecies were fulfilled. You would think that everyone around the land of Jerusalem, all of those uh, around that area that were God's people, would have been expectant, would have been looking forward to, and at the first sign or the first or at the first sound that hey, the Messiah is here, that there would have been an excitement among the people. But when Herod, King Herod, heard this news, it says he was deeply disturbed. Now, we see kind of a contrast here. We see this a lot in Scripture between two different types of people. Here we have the wise men who are those who are coming, who are looking for the Messiah, who recognize Jesus as, as king and want to humbly bow before him and worship him. And here we have Herod uh, kind of symbolizing another group of people who didn't want to have anything to do with this new Messiah. Now, imagine this for a second. You are King Herod. I mean, the king is in control. The king pretty much gets to do what he wants to do. Wants to have somebody killed, he can have him killed. Wants to have a party, he can have a party. Wants somebody's land, he can take it. The king could pretty much do whatever the king wanted to do. The king had lots of power. And here come these wise men, and they go before Herod and say, Where is the king? Well, Herod's probably thinking, I'm the king. I'm the king. What Herod should have been thinking was, He's finally here. The Messiah that we heard about for hundreds of years, he is finally here. Hey, everybody, hey, all of Jerusalem, all of God's people, good news. These wise men have come. They have, it's been revealed to them. The king has been born right here in our area. He's somewhere around. The king is here. Hey, everybody, let's go find him. Let's go worship him. That should have been the result of the king. But instead, it says the king and the other people were greatly disturbed. You have one group of people who are seeking the Lord and one group of people that don't want to have anything to do with the birth of the Messiah. So Herod comes up with this great plan. He, he, he's worried because Herod, now get this, Herod knew the Old Testament. Herod knew that it was prophesied because he asked his people, he says, hey, wait a minute, where is the, the Messiah supposed to be born? So he believed to some extent what the prophet said. He believed that the Messiah was going to come. He says, wait a minute, where was the Messiah supposed to be born? And they said, well, the prophets say in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem is just a short little distance south of Jerusalem where King Herod would have been. So King Herod should have, again, he should have been excited. Wait a minute. The prophecy says he's born in Bethlehem. The wise men say he's somewhere around here. Help us to know uh, where he is. And Herod's saying, wait, wait a minute, where is he supposed to be? In Bethlehem? Now Herod's wheels are turning. Herod's the king. Herod's 
probably a little proud. Herod's in power. Herod doesn't want a new king to come. He doesn't want the Messiah to come. He doesn't want the Messiah to fulfill his purpose because then the Messiah is going to be king and what's going to happen to Herod? So he decides he's going to help the wise men along their journey. And the wise men see the star and they follow the star. And Herod says, look, when you find this king, when you find this Messiah, look, come back to me and tell me so I too can go and worship him. But Herod had no desire to go and worship the Messiah. Herod had no desire to bow before the king, the son of God, Jesus Christ. Herod had no desire to worship Jesus at all. And so he uses the wise men and he says, look, when you find him, I want you to to tell me where he's at. And so the wise men who were genuinely seeking the Lord, they go on their way and they they follow the star in every way that happened. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how God pulled that off. I don't know what kind of star it was they followed or how they had the ability to do it. But in their wisdom that God had imparted on them, he had revealed to them and shown them that this is the symbol that is going to lead you to the Messiah. And they followed what God had put in their path. And lo and behold, they come to where baby Jesus is. And we don't know how old Jesus was at this time. It probably was some time after he was born. It says they came to him in a house, uh, which leads me to believe that maybe they had uh, gone from uh, the manger where they were and they were in a different residence at the time. Jesus could have been a few months old, could have been a couple of years old, depending on how long it would have taken them to get there. And that's not, not neither here nor there, really. We don't want to get too caught up in the details. But the fact of the story is that the wise men came and they found Jesus. They were able to lay their eyes on the Son of God. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine for a moment what that would have been like? Have you ever wanted something in your life and waited for it for so long? And when you finally got to have it or got to see it, have you ever had someone that you loved, a spouse, maybe that was gone away for an extended period of time? Perhaps they were in the military. Perhaps they were on a long trip. Perhaps they were working. And you just couldn't wait to see them. And when you finally, when they finally come home and you get to see them, your eyes, you just, you're glad to finally lay your eyes on what you had been waiting to see for so long. It brings a joy to your heart. Can you imagine for God's people, the wise men and those like the wise men who were looking for the Messiah, who had been waiting, who had been hearing the stories passed down from generation to generation, who had read the words of the prophet, and here are these wise men, and they have come, and they walk in the door, and there sits the Son of God. That probably was a pretty miraculous day for them, I would say. And what do they do? They bow before King Jesus and they bring the most valuable gifts that they can bring at the time. Now that's a proper response. That should be our response to the Messiah. You see, there are those who are wise and there are those who are foolish. The wise men in our story, the Magi, they were wise. They came seeking the Lord. They knew that Jesus was wisdom. They knew that Jesus was the way. But here on the flip side, we have Herod, who was foolish, who didn't want to humble himself before Jesus Christ, who didn't want to come and bring gifts to Jesus Christ and worship him and bow before him, but wanted to destroy him. You see, the wise men figured that out. After they had came and they had worshipped Jesus Christ, it was revealed to them by the Lord that they didn't need to go back and see Herod. 
And they said, well, we're going back a different way. They didn't need to go back and tell Herod that they had found the Messiah. Why? Because Herod's intention was to destroy the Messiah that was to come. You see, Herod knew everything that the Old Testament said. Herod knew that there was supposed to be a Messiah, but he refused to accept it. He tried to stop God's plan. Instead of accepting God's plan, he wanted to stop God's plan. He wanted to stop the future. He wanted to stop everything that was going to take place, everything that was going to be fulfilled. No doubt that was placed in his heart by the devil himself. Isn't that what the devil has been trying to do uh, ever since uh, as before this point that we see in Scripture through the Old Testament? He was continually trying, trying to stop uh, the bloodline. He was continually trying to stop the Israelites from the Old Testament all the way through to this point. And here at the birth of the Messiah, the enemy knows things are fixing to get serious. My time is getting short. I must stop Jesus from carrying out his, his mission. I must stop Jesus from doing the Father's will. And Satan, I believe, placed it in Herod's heart to try to stop him, to try to get him to kill the Messiah. And that was Herod's intent. But God revealed that to the wise men and they said, we're not going to tell Herod where the Messiah is. You see, Herod was trying to stop God's plan, but you can't stop God's plan. Herod was trying to change the future, but the future can't be changed. When Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose again, the future was already written. When Jesus rose from that grave, Jesus conquered death, he conquered sin, Jesus had the victory. And in that moment, the future was sealed. Much to the dismay of Satan, he had failed. Praise the Lord for us that Jesus Christ succeeded. Praise the Lord for us that Satan failed, but Jesus Christ is victorious. Praise the Lord for us that Jesus Christ came, but that he fulfilled his mission. And upon the fulfillment of his mission, the future is done. It's already written. It's already been established. We know what is going to take place because Jesus has the victory. Amen. What we have to do is we have to look at our own life today. And we have to look at the response and the reaction and the attitude of the wise man. And we have to look at the response and the action and the attitude of Herod. And we have to look at our own life and say, which one of those do I fall on? Which one of those sides do I fall on? There are many people in this world today who are just like Herod who don't want to acknowledge the Messiah, even though they have all of God's Word written, even though it's been revealed to them very clearly, even to some extent, though they may believe it, they cannot submit to Jesus Christ. They refuse to submit to Jesus Christ. They refuse to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the way. They would rather do it their way than have to bow down and answer to someone else. And the Bible would say that that's foolishness. And there are many in our world that live that way. There are many in our world with that attitude and there may be some in this very building today who have that attitude. And maybe you don't even realize it. Maybe you've never realized that that's the, the attitude in your heart. But if you're refusing Jesus Christ, if you refuse to humble yourself before Him, if you're, if you're trying to, to stay as far away as you can from Him, then your heart is not much different than that of Herod. There are many people in this world that wish that Jesus would just go away. There are many people in this world that say the religious people, the Christians, need to just shut up. If they would just, Jesus is ruining everything. They always want to bring Jesus into it and it messes everything up. All the while failing to realize that it's not Jesus that is making things worse. It is sin that is making things worse. 
Little did they realize every time they pushed to take Jesus out of everything and keep Jesus from being preached and taught, that that's what's causing the demise and the downfall of the world. It's not Jesus that's the problem. It's sin that's the problem. And when we take Jesus, who is the only solution to the problem, out of the equation, we become a helpless and hopeless society. That's what Herod's desire was. Let me get rid of the Messiah. If I get rid of the Messiah, everything will get better. But no, the truth of the matter is we need to preach and teach the Messiah all the more. We don't need less Jesus. We don't need to do away with Jesus. We need to make sure that Jesus is preached to all the world. We need to make sure that people know who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and that Jesus is the solution to our problems. There's no amount of world peace. There's no amount of governmental politicians getting together and shaking hands and coming up with all these, uh, these, these laws and all these different things. There's no amount of that that will ever bring peace to this world. But Jesus Christ will bring peace to this world. If we had a world of people who were seeking Jesus Christ and seeking God's word, I guarantee you our world would change. I guarantee you that there would not be as much hate, that people would stop hating and people would start loving, that people wouldn't be as worried about their self and that people would be worried about other people. If we really begin to seek Jesus and put him first, it would change everything. And there are some in this world and perhaps some in this room that have not fully submitted to Jesus, hasn't realized that he is the way, that he is the answer, that he is the solution. The wise men got it. Wise men and women seek Jesus. Wise men and women, they read God's word. They see that there is something to it. They see that the Messiah that is talked about is Jesus Christ. They see that he is the one who has given his life so that we may be forgiven. And they give everything to him. They come to him. They humble their self before him. We bow to him. We bring him everything we have, everything that we have to give in our life. We give him our very soul and we humble ourselves before him and we worship King Jesus. The wise men got it. And the question that we have to ask, that we have to answer, is are we going to be wise men or women? Or are we going to be those like Herod? Are we going to try to get rid of Jesus and just not even want to acknowledge anything Jesus did? Or are we going to be those that realize that Jesus has come and Jesus is the only way that we may be forgiven and worship Jesus with all our heart, mind, soul, strength, everything that we have? That's what the wise men did. The wise men found Jesus. You know why the wise men found Jesus? Because they went looking for him. There may be some of you in here today that need to find Jesus and you haven't found him. And you know why? Because you hadn't looked for him. You hadn't really begun to seek him with all your heart, with everything that's in you. Read God's word. Pray to the Lord. Ask God to reveal to you. Look for the Lord. When we seek him, we will find him. The reason why... Herod didn't find Jesus Christ and his life wasn't changed is because he didn't seek him. The reason why the wise men did find the Messiah is because they went out looking for him. There may be some of you here today that is looking for joy, that's looking for peace, that's looking for comfort, and you're not going to find it in anything the world has to offer. You're going to find it right where the wise men found it, at the Messiah's feet. And let us not forget that this Christmas season. Let us not forget 
look, this is what we are celebrating. This is what we're coming together for. This is what we're remembering during this time of year. We're remembering of the birth of Jesus Christ. So let us seek him. Let us give him all that we have. Let us humble ourselves before him so that we would be those who are wise that find the Messiah. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these words this morning. I pray that you bless the reading of your word. And I pray that you would help us to, 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 to understand, God, and have wisdom. Dear Lord, we know from your word that wisdom is Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. So God, I pray that if there's one in this room, that they wouldn't have a hard heart, dear Lord. That maybe there's some in this room that are like here. They've heard your word. They know what your word says. They know all about who the Messiah is. But God, they just refuse to turn their life over to him. I pray today, God, that you would touch their heart. God, I pray that you would just soften their heart, that you would just let the Holy Spirit reveal this morning that they need Jesus, that there are things in their life, everything in their life, God, that they need to bow down, that they need to humbly give Jesus Christ this morning, that they need to come and ask for repentance, that they need to, that they need to ask for forgiveness, dear Lord God, so that they can be forgiven of their sinfulness, that we need to come before you with all we are, dear Lord, all of our sinfulness, God. You want us to come to you and to repent of those things. And God, I pray that if there is one here in this room that has not done that today, that they would. God, I pray that you would let the Holy Spirit lead us so that we would have the same excitement as the wise men, so that we would constantly be seeking you in your word and through prayer, God, so that when we seek you, we may find you for the help and the guidance and the joy and the peace and the comfort and all of those things that you desire to give us, God, that we would seek you and that we would find those things and that you would put joy and love in our heart, God, so that we can share that with other people in this world. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.